Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. It's amazing what a month and a half will do for the morale of a fan base and a podcast. Hey, a week ago, we hired Sonny Dykes to come over from SMU, stole their coach, took him right away, and he has uh, landed on a helicopter right there in the middle of Amon G. Carter Stadium, and he's been on the ground for a week building a staff, and things are up and running. Jeremy, I assume you're doing well tonight, so let's just get right to it, my friend. What's your observation of both how the staff has, has taken off in this first week and if you think Frog fans should be excited about what they're seeing from Sonny Dykes and company? Well, I mean, you tell me. You're you're a fan. Are you excited? I'm a fan. I'm excited. I, I'll tell you what I'm real excited about. All right, the, the, the basic things. I'm excited to see a recruiting staff that is built – or in a staff that is built to recruit and develop players – I'm excited to see Sonny all, all over the media. He obviously handles himself real well. I think he's played the role very well. He gives, um, you know, always says, hey, I want to thank Coach Patterson, and I'm building on the legacy of what he did here all these years. But we're going forward, and both those things are true. For me as a fan, I, I have undying gratitude to Coach Patterson, and it's time for um, the 2022 Frogs to start to take shape. So I'm excited about the staff Sunny Com- or that Sunny Dykes is building. I'm going to say Sunny Cumbie. I know I am. The, the staff Sunny Dykes is building. I'm excited about the recruits he's landing, and I like the I like the way he carries himself. The guy is built to be a head coach. He's a he's a CEO in the best sense of the world. That he wants to execute the plan, and then he gets the people around him that can uh, make happen what he what he thinks is important. He calls the shots, and they make the plays happen. I think he's a head coach on the field, and I think he's a head coach off the field. So I'm I'm as delighted as can be. Does that sound accurate to you? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much the overwhelming response from a lot of fans. I think I think everyone's even the guys that were passive at first about Sonny Docks being the coach. I think with the staff he's assembled, he's you're you're obviously seeing uh, how good of a recruiting it, you know, efforts being made. They've already got seven commits. They're they're landing players that are four star kids. They're going to be able to hold on to some of the kids from the pre uh, that were committed to the previous staff. So as far as the recruiting effort, it's 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 kind of it's not night and day because TCU obviously cared about recruiting before, but just the social media presence. Sonny's really involved. Um, and the best way I could describe it, Jeff, is he just gets it. He just gets the current state of college football that we're in right now, um, whether that's recruiting, whether that's the NIL, whether that's transfer portal, anything. He just he just understands it. He's with today's time. And I think TCU fans are going to be seeing a lot of good stuff in the near future. If you didn't watch the interview that he did with Brian Etheridge, it's about a 10, 11-minute video. I think it was probably from the day he was hired. You saw that this is a guy that you know grew up, obviously, as a coach's kid, has great respect for his father, appreciates the program he's stepping into, speaks highly about um, TCU from the time he was here. But, man, he gets the future. He, he gets the future, and I, that's the thing that I'm most excited about. And, you know, maybe it's because I, I, I'm in people work for a living, but I want to tell you the most impressive thing, impressive thing I heard him say in his br- interview with Brian was he said, you know, I went to Cal, and did, things didn't go as well, the way that I wanted. And I was like, that is humility. The, I, my hunch is he is going to be a better head coach now because things didn't go exactly the way he thought they could at Cal. We all know Cal's a tough job, but you know 
coaches think, hey, I can make anything work. I can get my players here. I can execute my scheme. And it, it didn't go exactly the way he wanted, and he didn't sidestep it. He just said it. And that is the exact opposite of I – mean, let me say this appropriately. That's exactly what we need going forward. Something didn't work. What can I learn from it? And let's do something different. That's the thing that I heard that I really, really liked. Well, you mentioned recruiting, Jeremy. Let's let's just dig in. If they if they've hit the ground running, I I I've got five commits that the Horn Frogs have landed just in the last week since Sonny Dykes came over and took over the program there at, at TCU. I'm going to walk you through this. You tell us a little bit about maybe some backstory, what the Frogs can expect from these players, and maybe the impact that they may have. Let's just start with Jordan Hudson, um, wide receiver out of Garland. The Frogs land him previous SMU commit, what are we getting in Jordan Hudson? We're getting a big receiver that is not the fastest receiver, but he finds a way to get open. He catches a lot of passes. He's pretty consistent catching the football. Put up massive numbers at Garland the last three years. I think he had something like 52 touchdowns, something crazy. But he's he's your big physical outside receiver, what they're looking for. Um, he's kind of like a – Smaller version of a, a Josh Dotson, and it can can make plays and go up and get it. He's not as fast as Quentin Johnson, but I think he's as strong as Quentin as far as going up and getting those 50-50 balls. He's I mean he's he's a player that can play extremely early once he gets on campus. No other way to put it. Yeah, my hunch is he will be on campus early. If you go watch his huddle, um, you know, just to reiterate what you said. He finds a way to always get the ball. He may not be able to guy that be able to be the guy that can you know go on the on the forty yard go route. But if he goes over the middle, he's he's big enough and strong enough that he's going to go get that ball. Um, I, I was really impressed with his tape. I you know I know the knock on him isn't is that he doesn't have the track speed, but the dude's got killer hands and he knows how to use his body. So I was really impressed with with his tape, and it's easy to see why he's a four star wide receiver in you know North Dallas, and they just don't hand those things out. All right, another player from Garland, uh, name familiar to Frog fans. So all of you back in the summer that said, oh, I don't want this kid. I hope he never comes back. Well, guess what? <laughs> I've, got, I've got that thread saved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be putting it out there so everyone can uh, see, what, see what they were posting back in the summer. I know you. You gotta all you n- never burn a bridge unnecessarily. I got. In, I had some people not happy with some strong comments I made, so I I, I, I bit my tongue. Um, but hey, I'm I'm gonna say I'm glad we have him in the fold. Tell us a little bit about Ch- uh, Chase Biddle because the frogs are super excited to get this fast safety. Well, I mean, good things come to people that wait, right? I mean, people. We're kind of upset over the summer about him not committing, but he's he's in the fold now. He's a really good player. I think if you look at the kind of plays he makes for Garland, I mean, he's a he's an extremely smart kid, um, has great ball skills, has great awareness. He's kind of like Jordan, not the not the uh, I, I wouldn't say he's slow at all. He's pretty fast. He's ten seven, ten eight kid, um, but he's he's built he's built kind of like a strong safety. He's a lot bigger than. Uh, your typical weak safety or free safety TCU has. He's going to play in the six foot, two hundred pound range. So I think he's, I think he's probably going to play more, more strong than anything. But 
it's just a just another another great fit, man. I mean, TCU was all over this kid. Gary Patterson, we all talk about how he evaluates defensive prospects and he wanted Chase Biddle really bad. And let's let's not forget that. So you're talking about one of the top defensive minds in, in college football wanted this wanted this kid. So this is a huge get. Um each time we talk about a commitment, SMU fans get a little bit sadder because these were two kids that were just program changers for them. And not necessarily program changers for for TCU, but they're definitely uh, the type of kids that could come in early and, and make impacts, especially at safety where they've uh, been just hit with injuries and everything else. You're, you're going to have some guys that are recovering from injuries still. Um, there's 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 going to be there's going to be a big competition, I think, once Biddle gets here next fall and he's and he's playing against some of these other guys. And I still think there's going to be some attrition somewhere on this squad. I think. You know, you got to keep an eye on a couple of those younger guys um, that that we've mentioned before about possibly possibly leaving. So, Chase Biddle is a very important position. They needed safeties, and they got one of the better ones in the nation. Yeah, this is why you follow recruiting all the way down to signing day. Because just because a kid doesn't commit or he picks up the wrong hat, doesn't mean there's not going to be a change of coaching staff. Doesn't mean he's not going to have a change of heart. And, um, you know, kudos to, to the new staff picking up right where the Frogs had left off and, and getting Biddle into the fold. You know, Jeremy, I'm sure you have had a problem butchering names over the years. So I'm going to do my best to get I this. I can't new- do it. You could do it. I'm going to do it. Our new defensive end, Michael Ubakun Ikaodi. That's what I'm going to call him. We'll call him, you know, get, Coach Patterson would have called him Obi-Wan Kenobi too. But we'll just go with Michael. What what do we, you know, we, we, we landed a defensive end. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how, how the Frog, how he ended up on the Frog's radar and what kind of player they're getting with Michael. Well, I mean, he's another um, kid that was. <laughs> he was a kid that was committed to SMU. And once Sonny, the news started hitting that Sonny Docks was going to be leaving and Samples was going to be going and Shadera was going to be going, I think made the decision easy for him that he wasn't going to be going to SMU. So the relationship he has with TCU's defensive line coach uh, was, was the biggest, was the biggest factor here. Um, they absolutely love this kid felt like he was, and is still underrated. He had a, a, a pretty good year. If you look at his physical ability, six, five, he's around two thirty five, two forty. He gets up and down the field really quick. He's, got a perfect frame for the defense that they hope to run, uh, mostly a three-man front. But this this is a kid that had Baylor, had Colorado, had a lot of other offers. And when they when they look at the needs for the class, defensive end was definitely going to be a need. They they want to have as many as they can. And uh, he's, he's athletic. And when you play in the Big 12, you got to have athletic defensive ends. And he's, he's definitely – Michael is definitely one of those kids that, like I said, the staff was extremely high on. Um, even at even SMU, they, when they were at SMU, they thought they had got the steal of the class. And pretty much when, again, when they left for TCU, was it wasn't hard to figure out that he was going to follow those coaches over to TCU. So that's how it all transpired. And frogs get a good one. They get a they get a really good one. I know we're big fans of. Um... Uh, we're, we're big fans of Dylan Horton. We're big fans of um, O'Shawn. We're big fans of Kari Coleman. But after that, it gets pretty thin pretty quick. Um, 
So I, I think picking up somebody at defensive end, especially this young that can come along that has the the natural skills to play that position. I think he's his combination of athleticism and size is going to be something that's going to be a real contributing factor to him seeing the field earlier than later. All right, Frog's got a new commit today. Um, you said this on our message board. This kind of came out of nowhere. Josh Hoover, a high three-star quarterback that decommitted from Indiana. He had committed to Indiana. I think Indiana had just made an offensive coordinator change in the last 48 hours. And he's he was already kind of thinking, you know, maybe I should think about staying around home. Uh, and he did. He pulled the trigger. Uh, how, how big a surprise was this to you? And what do, what do you know about him? Because I, I kind of live and die by recruiting, and I was not as well-versed in Josh Hoover as I should have been. I like Josh Hoover. I, I really liked him when I saw him at the South Lake Elite 11. Um, it wasn't the South Lake Elite 11. It was at South Lake High School. But anyway, he he impressed me. I, I think he has the perfect fit for TCU's new offense. He's not going to be a, a kid that's going to take off and run. He's not extremely slow. He's a baseball player, too. He's, he's a good athlete, but – he's not going to be the Chandler Morris, Max Duggan types or, or the dual threats really that they've recruited over the last several years. He's going to be more of a guy that is going to stand in the pocket and try to make plays with his arm. He's extremely accurate. He's, he's got a, a, a pretty, uh, it, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's fair to good, um, strength in his arm. He's he's not going to go out there and, and throw the ball around like a, a Sam Jackson or a um, Chandler Morris. or He doesn't even have the, the arm strength of, of Max, but he he does have really good accuracy, and he's pretty smart. He's a pretty, pretty smart football player. Threw for almost 10,000 yards the last three seasons, so they're, they're getting a kid that has a, a ton of uh, passing yards out there, and, and he knows what to do with the football. As far as them – kind of surprising me. He wasn't a name that I'd been told about to, to keep an eye on. And like you said, with the Indiana offensive coordinator change, it started to kind of reopen some things for, for Josh and, and really for TCU because it became a point then to where they knew he was open. So they've been evaluating them. They evaluated them ever since they're at SMU. Garrett Riley has, has been on them. And once, once um, they knew that they had a chance to get them, it wasn't, too hard of a decision to make that offer and, and get him over there. And I don't know what's going on with the quarterback room or not. I mean, so I've seen some people saying that it could mean Sam Jackson's gone or someone else. I don't know. Um, I think we can all speculate about Sam since he posted something about not being able to continue where he was um, on his Instagram or whatever that was a week ago. I don't know if that was football related or what, but you want to have a quarterback room full of full of guys because we've seen it in the past where you think you have a really, really strong quarterback room and all of a sudden you've got one, maybe two. Um, and this this helps build their, their quarterback room a little bit more. I'm, I'm still not sure what Honig's going to be. Trent Battle moved positions again late in the year, so there's no telling if he's going to stick a quarterback. So you needed to find another guy to come in there and uh, you know, add add to that quarterback room. And Josh Hoover's a good player. I, I really do like him. Um, he just didn't fit. Like I said, he didn't fit TCU's style before because they're more of a they were more recruiting of the dual threat guys instead of your pro style guy. Well, by my account, that's all the twenty twenty two guys that w- that we have that we picked up in the last week. We do have another twenty twenty three commit, Cordell Russell, wide receiver from Mesquite. 
Uh, he, he had also been committed to SMU, and this is a highly rated junior. So tell us a little bit about Russell and uh, maybe if you've seen him or any of the evaluations you've been able to pick up on. Oh, him. yeah. Because he jumped he jumped right in that night as well and committed the same night as, as Jordan Hudson when the new staff got announced. Yeah, this was all part of the Rashad Samples um, recruitment. I mean, this – he Cordell chose – SMU in the beginning because of because of Rashad. Um, I like Cordell a lot. I've I've watched him play and uh, I was very extremely high on him in the summer when I when I got a chance to see him at multiple camps. His nickname is Baby To. They call him Baby To. Um, he's he's big. He's physical. He'll go up and win a lot of those fifty fifty balls. He's not extremely fast, but he gets open. If that makes sense. He's not going to be the guy that's going to be the the vertical threat downfield trying to get behind the secondary. He is going to be the guy that you can send over the middle and come down with those key 10 to 15 yard drag catches to get a first down. Um, but he's he's kind of like a he reminds me of a just a little bit skinnier version of Omar Manning. That's the kind of build he has. And I think that's the kind of build he can have in college. Um, he I, I can see him easily getting up to around 210 and and using his 6'3 frame and going up and and uh, winning a lot of battles against some of those defensive backs in the, in the Big 12. But, yeah, man, I mean, you're talking about a receiver that's ranked in the uh, around the top 25 at his position, and he's he's a great start to the 2023 class. I mean, there's no other way around it. He's, he's one of the one of the top receivers in the nation, and I think TCU's going to keep adding to that, to that uh, good receiver group that they have, especially for that class. Now, if he's baby T.O., let's say we're down in Austin next fall and he scores a touchdown, is he going to race right out to the middle of the field at the 50-yard line where the Longhorn is and put the ball down and, and throw his arms out wide? If he does that, Gary Patterson's going to tackle him. No, I think you mean George Teague. <laughs> I'm just going back. I, I remember when uh, Tio was playing for the for Philly, and he did that. Oh, yeah. Teague went out and creamed. Oh yeah, I know exactly the reference you're you're talking about because <laughs> I've brought that up to uh, to uh, Coach Teague is what we call him now. Yeah, um, that's right. That's when right. We, when we see him, he's over there at uh, last time John at uh, Plano John Paul. So um, yeah. yeah, there's been some mention of mention of that of that particular play when we're around him sometimes. Hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's look at who else might the fr- might frog fans keep an eye on. We've got you know this closing window here of, of national signing day coming right at us from the early signing day. We know there are a couple of guys that had been committed to the frogs, like say Matthew Golden, that may be leaning back. Who are some former commits that we should keep an eye on that we have a chance to kind of get re- back into the fold again, as well as some other guys that uh, maybe weren't original commits or p- or high targets of the old staff. But the new staff is all over it. What? Well, who should Frog fans keep well, just, an eye on? Just go down the list, man. Which ones you want to? All right, let's go with Matthew Golden. I want to hear about Matthew. Golden. I, I think Matthew Golden has a great chance to get back in the fold. I think he's going to visit Baylor this weekend. Went up to TCU, had a great time. Um, said it was a different vibe for him this this time around. Not not necessarily talking bad about the previous staff, but I mean he understands that um, it's a little bit different. There's there's a lot of positive vibes going on around the program right now um obviously if you're a receiver and you look at smu and you look at their offense you're going to see they throw the ball around they're going to they're going to throw it for a lot of yards and 
And uh, I think with Samples, Samples was very involved in, in his recruitment before. And Golden nearly chose SMU. It was TCU. It was SMU. I can't remember the other school, but SMU is extremely high um, for Golden. And I didn't realize that until – you know, talking to a few people, I, I didn't I didn't know Samples was that involved in his recruitment for SMU. And I didn't know he was almost gonna go to SMU. So um from what I understand, there's a there's a great relationship with the family with Samples and obviously, you know, Brian Carrington's been down there to see him and Malcolm. So there's a there's a lot of good involvement right now in his recruitment. And I think if you look at guys like Major Everhart that still remain solid, they're still trying to recruit him and he had a really good visit this weekend with some some of the other guys on campus. I I firmly believe that Golden's going to be back in the fold any any time. I I think it will be he'll he'll visit wherever he's going this weekend. I think down to Baylor and Houston's another possibility, but I think it's going to be Baylor. But by the time signing day comes around, he's I, I firmly believe he's going to be a frog. That would be great to get Matthew Golden back in the fold. I am a. I think he's one of the top. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in this class, and he's highly rated. So I think he's going to make an instant impact. So all right, here's a name out of left field. Do the Frogs have a chance with Cameron Duncan, offensive lineman out of Duncanville? I'm not sure if you're aware. Rashad Sample's father is the head coach at Duncanville. Obviously, uh, Mario Cristobal walked away from the Oregon Ducks to go take the job at the U. Our fans, I mean, are there some, is Cameron Williams, who was a hard commit to Oregon, a chance uh, somebody the Frogs might be closing in on here as we move towards? Yeah, Sydney? I mean, they, they re-offered today, and and um, I don't, it's going to be tough. Um, I, I think there's a chance that he could come visit this Sunday. I think Duncanville plays Saturday, so they really can't get him in for a big, long official visit or anything like that. But I think the idea for now is try to see if he'll come up and visit with the staff on Sunday, but it, it's going to be a battle. I mean, they, they've Texas has been in it, and from a few people I've talked with so far, they feel like if he does decommit from Oregon, he's going to go to Texas. But if they get him on campus and, and get him around the staff a little bit, and obviously Samples has that relationship with him being a Duncanville kid, I mean, I would I would never say never, but right now I feel like Texas would still be the team to beat if he does decommit. I'd really like to get him. I'd love for him to decommit from Oregon and come to TCU. So I'm going to wave my magic wand and see what I can do to make that happen. All right, Chiron Chambers, defensive back from South Oak Cliff. Hey, isn't it great to watch South Oak Cliff make noise in the playoffs? Man, they're one game away from the state championship game. I am pulling Man. for them like crazy. Oh, when they, they smacked Alito. I mean, I know the score wasn't a blowout, but they they smacked Alito. That was impressive. I they're will not a, lie. They're a very physical team. They're a very physical team, and and uh, Chambers is a kid I've I've locked for a long time too, and kind of wish the previous staff would have offered him because when when I first saw him over the summer, I was just kind of blown away. He's one of those kids that could play safety or play corner. He's very athletic. He's got a lot of range. He can knock the crap out of you. He's not afraid to hit anyone. And he's just, he's a, he's another smart player. And, and, and honestly, I think the only reason TCU did not offer is because he never came up to a camp and never, never ran. And so that kind of 
puts him down the list. <laughs> if you're trying to get an offer from TCU in the old days with Gary Patterson, you better go up there and run. And if you don't, you're probably not going to get an offer. And, and sometimes I think that would bite them in the butt a little bit because they're missing out on some good football players. And, and, and Chambers is definitely one of those guys where I think they were missing out on just because he didn't run. Um, he's, he's a really good player. He went up there uh, to campus, uh, was up there Sunday, um, likes a visit. I know people feel really good about the, the chances of, of him flipping. Arkansas is another team to watch. I know Sam Carter was over there today at South Oak Cliff. And, uh, you know, he's, he, you know, Arkansas is going to be showing him a ton of interest and they're trying to get him up there for a visit as well. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting. But right now, I, I have a crystal ball in for TCU and, and I'm not changing it yet because I've still heard a lot of great things. And with him being a Dallas kid and the way they've, been recruiting DFW the last week and a half, I would say TCU's chances are, are looking pretty good right now. All right. Well, let's go in alphabetical order of the Allens. So let's start with AJ Allen out of Neville. Uh, I, he never officially decommitted. Is that correct? Never did. Never did. Okay. So I, I made sure I had this right. Uh, DJ Allen did officially decommit, but he's also the guy we're going to get to next. AJ Allen never officially decommitted, but he's on Bama's radar right now. Uh, let's just go backwards to give due cre- credit where credit is due. He's on campus. Nobody knows who he is. He's at a camp that you and I are at. And then all of a sudden he gets pulled aside to run some routes and he leaves the, the he, you know, the, the, he doesn't go to bed that night without getting a, an offer. So the staff clearly, the previous staff clearly did their job uh, tracking him down and offering him. Do you think he signs with the frogs and is Alabama the only competition? Did you see who offered him recently? No, I did not. I, I have a job that has kept me from. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but no. <laughs> no, you'll laugh at you'll laugh at this one. New Mexico State. Nah, that's great. <laughs> Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. All right. So he's got Bama, but, New Mexico State. Because Jerry Kill was the first first guy to see him, I think. No um, kidding. And he walked he walked over there and said, "Man, this." That kid right there can move, man. I'm just telling you. He was – Jerry Kill was all over that kid. I'm just but, telling you. Yeah. Um, but, no, the breaking – kind of breaking news, and I'll post something here on the board too, so it won't be breaking news for people that listen to this, but um, he's not going to Bama. He's not going to Bama this weekend. He's going to be coming up to TCU. Hot so, dang. So, Mississippi State's still going to be a, a, a challenge. They – had the uh, visit with him this past weekend. He was down there for an official visit, but I, I would I would say TCU's chances are pretty good. Samples went to his uh, last playoff game. Um, <laughs> we keep saying samples, but honestly and, and truly, he's he's done a, a great job of uh, getting with the family and and um, just kind of letting them know where TCU stands. I mean, TCU wants this kid. They're they're not just sitting back and not recruiting because other schools are coming in and they really don't know about them. They, they've all seen the film. Everyone knows he ran well at TCU's camp and he's an electric player. So you, you want to do what you can to keep those kind of guys. And with Zach Evans likely gone, I would say there's a 95% chance he's gone. You're going to want to add another running back uh, to the, to the running back room because you're only going to have Kendra Miller and DeMarc Way Foster. Right now, so and and maybe Amante Amani Watkins if he stays at running back. So you need another running back for for this class, and 
Um, Major Everhart's listed as a running back, but he's going to be probably more of a H black H back slot type that that maybe gets maybe five touches a game at running back uh, or running the football. So AJ Allen's not that type. He is a straight running back, and they really want to get him on campus, and um, they're going to have a chance to this weekend to kind of rekindle that relationship and let them know why he chose TCU in the first place. And hopefully uh, they do a good enough job right now. I'm leaning more toward him staying committed to to the Frogs because the guys committed are, are really pushing for him to stay. And I, I think it speaks volumes that he never really – he, he might have been listening to others, but he, he really never did just fully decommit. And I think that speaks volumes about the type of young man he is and just kind of waiting out the process to see what happens. You just can't drop that and move on. 95% chance Zach is gone. No. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say I would I would say yeah. Okay. I mean, it's like I said when you know, I haven't I know there's been some people saying he's staying, some people saying he's he, he's he's leaving and you know, I I'll, I'll go back to the first first thing I said when Gary was announced that he was leaving and I posted it on the board. I had multiple multiple people tell me he was leaving. And he was, yeah, he was at he was at the uh, team meeting they had with Coach Docks and the, and the staff, new staff has talked to him. But I talked to a lot of different people, and a lot of these different people, they're not all sitting in the same room. They all say the same thing: Zach's not coming back, and it's about time for TCU fans to to kind of listen to that and be ready to move on. Some people have, some people haven't, but. If I'm wrong, then I'll eat all the krill I can fit into my mouth, and that's probably quite a bit since I'm kind of a bigger man now. But they uh, they don't feel real good about Zach Zach coming back to TCU. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well, we'll take it for what it is. All right, then real quick, DJ Allen, he did decommit wide receiver, four-star wide receiver out of Gladewater. Frogs hold on to him? They, they get him back in the fold? I, I, I think there's a good chance he's coming to visit this weekend as well for an official visit. So to kind of give you guys an update, it's it's going to be A.J. Allen, D.J. Allen. They're going to have Chase Biddle, Jordan Hudson, and they'll have some more names um, coming in. Cam- Cameron Williams might be up there Sunday. They're trying to get him up there. Quentin Harris is another kid they're trying to get up there. So there's there's going to be a chance for for them to uh, keep some guys in the fold and, and, and bring some guys back. And and, and obviously with, with Quentin and Cameron, you, you try to flip some guys. So um, it'll be an interesting weekend. This is the last last weekend for official visits before the early signing day. So got got to make some things happen. Well, let's just speak in generalities here. All right. Frogs are obviously, you know, getting some big targets, um, going after some guys. Maybe the last step didn't that we think will make an impact. But the uh, the second reason that Sonny Dykes was hired was not just DFW recruiting, but the transfer portal. We're aware that we don't know exactly who's in the transfer portal or who's about to get there, but not who, but what are the frogs looking for in the transfer portal between now and late May? I mean, it's it's the same defensive linemen, corners. They want older kids there because you lose five defensive tackles, and then you lose. Um, you're you're going to lose some defensive backs. Um, I, I mean, Noah Daniels is, is still up in the air. Um, 
I'm not leaning on him coming back. He could come back, but for me personally, I'm not, I'm not thinking he's going to come back. And then, I mean, you, you've got, you've got to get some, some help in the, on the offensive line. I think you look at the offensive line for, for maybe an older guy, especially when you lose a left tackle like uh, Eze, who's, it was no surprise. He's, he's gone. He finally came out and said, said that he's declaring for the draft, but, I would I would say right now the key the key positions are defensive defensive back and and corner. Um I I don't put a lot of emphasis as others on, uh, on quarterback. I don't think they they really need a transfer quarterback. I don't think they need um transfer defensive ends. But I I mean I'd be naive to say that they probably wouldn't look at someone that he, I mean, just like Quinn, Quinn yours, you don't, you don't pass up on a guy like that. If he wants to come see your school and talk to you about possibly coming there, you're not going to say, no, oh, no, we're not, we don't want to upset the quarterback room. So you're going to, you're going to talk to those guys, those type of guys. So every time someone on our board or on Twitter, which I get a lot of random DMs that are like, hey, it's great that we're getting all these uh, skill positions, but what about the trenches? That's where we're losing. That's what the transfer portal's for, if that's what I'm hearing. That's the target. And so they don't want uh, eight, 17-year-old defensive linemen coming in. They want 21-year-old defensive linemen coming in. So that, yeah. that's, that's what I'm hearing from you. You want the you want the older kid. You want at least uh, one or two older kids, just because you're losing older kids. Yep. I mean, you're losing you're losing Kenny uh, Corey Bethley, Terrell Cooper, Kenny Turner, George Ellis, possibly losing Sony Missy. Uh, so I mean, he's graduated. So or or graduating. Mm-hmm. So you possibly you you know you're losing four. You're possibly losing five. I see. What I would like is. Two D linemen from BYU that um, twenty eight, twenty nine years twenty eight or twenty nine years old, and because of the COVID year, they're like thirty. You know, they went on a three year Mormon mission. They redshirted. They got you know their their mission waiver. They, you know that they're they're they they're just grown men, and uh, I, I would like that. That that would be my preference. <laughs> hey, I don't blame you. Uh, that would be my preference. Well, you mentioned it, and if you made it to the 34th minute of this podcast, you finally get to hear the question. Quinn Ewers, he's in the transfer portal from Ohio State. What do we know? What can you tell us? And what should Frog fans be thinking right now? I have absolutely no information on that kid. Absolutely none. You're what laying out on me, and I swear I don't have any. I know he was no. on campus today. I know okay. he didn't show up. We um, know he was on campus. I don't. I don't have any reports on how it went. I don't have any reports on where he's leaning. I don't have anything. I think. I think the family is kind of keeping to themselves on that kind of stuff, um, and they're not really. They're not really talking to anyone. I think Pete Thamel will probably have any kind of update. Um, but but truthfully and honestly, I, I I know it's not what TCU fans want to hear, but I just don't have an update. I mean, there's there's nothing nothing to report other than he was he did make it to campus today. Now I read on a tech message board from a guy that has seven posts and just registered his account that he he's going to TCU. 
Should I trust that? Yeah, I got a text from someone as we're doing this podcast saying, <laughs> saying with that screenshot, I hadn't seen it all day. Uh, <laughs> but, but I did notice the same guy that posted on the tech site posted on, on Horn Frog Blitz as well. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah, it was the Slander 69 or whatever, Slater 69. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I take all of my investment tips from Slander69 on a tech message board. <laughs> he told me to get into this Vietnamese Bitcoin that was, he said, if, if I gave him 50 grand, he could turn it into $500,000 in 10 minutes. And that was nine minutes ago. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was pretty funny that, that I got that message. Yeah. Because it's... it's the message was, Quinn, yours, the TCU, question mark, question mark, question mark. And I'm like, no. And, and I put LOL, and then they sent me the screenshot of this guy's post on Inside Red Raider Sports. Inside Red Raider Sports. Well, you know, it's not this. It's not the silly season if some rando is not posting on a message board. And the problem is they post – there's 10 posts. They're insane. And then one of them is actually accurate. (laughs) So yeah, I would laugh my butt off if the guy was actually correct in the assessment, but I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to be willing to bet that he is right now. He or she is. Yeah, that's right. He or she, that's right. We want to be inclusive of that. It could be a, yes, very inclusive. it, It could be a female that is trolling a tech message board. And if she was, I, I would say God bless you. That's what I would say. You're, I bet you're making a, a, your husband very, very happy. So, all right, let's transition to the other issue that most frog fans want to know about. What do we know about the defensive coordinator position? And then I'm gonna I got a hot question for you about it at the end. Uh, you you posted that we're we're inside of 48 hours. I hopefully finding out. Obviously, with championship weekend, they got a lot of moving parts of maybe some targets. Uh, what can our fans know here at 8.42 on a Monday night about where the TCU search is for a defensive coordinator? Well, I, I was told this morning that it should be within 48 hours. Um, whether that timeline happens or not, I don't know. I'm just relaying the message. So if it's – if I know someone's already got their clock set to whatever time I posted that message. They've got it set for 48 hours, and it's counting down right now. Jeff, you're probably one of those guys. But dang right, I am. <laughs> I know you guys like to hold me to anything that I mention about numbers, whether it's what? percentages or <laughs> anything. You got your number of scholarships. Y'all like <laughs> to hold me to the. Y'all like to hold me to the fire on these things. So if it gets to like forty, if I'm saying a commitment's coming at five o'clock and it's five o two, where's it at, man? What's taking so long? I, I heard Chase Middle was going. Okay, he's de- he he's getting cold feet. He's not going. And five oh three, the kid commits. So, yeah. So I, I'm I'm expecting it fully. That it, I'm I'm trusting the information I was told. I trust the the person that gave me this. Um, it's a very high ranking source. Right. So I I, w- I would say that the decision might be coming within forty eight hours. I tr- I think I trust this, but I haven't heard a lot of names. I mean, Joe Gillespie is the name I keep hearing, but Defense I'm not coordinator at Tulsa. Yes, but I'm not Joseph Joseph Gillespie. Joseph Gillespie. I don't know if that's a done deal or not. I'm not near as confident as I was in saying 
Joseph Gillespie as the defensive coordinator as I was saying Sonny Dykes is going to be the head coach. You know what I mean? Like I was confident Sonny Dykes was going to be the guy almost since the time Gary Patterson was let go. So I don't have that same type of confidence with, with Gillespie right now, but he is a name that keeps getting brought up to me. Glenn Schumann, the co-defensive coordinator at uh, Georgia is another name. He's a local guy, McKinney Boyd, um, played over there. And he's he's a, a young coach that many considers another up-and-coming coach that's going to be really good in the years to come. So those those two names, and it could be a name that I haven't even mentioned. And I'll, I'll say this, I haven't been – I haven't been given a name. One name that was kind of brought up to me, and I don't, I don't believe it, was Will Muschamp. I had a few people mention that, but I, I just don't see Will Muschamp as, as being the defensive coordinator at TCU, and I'm kind of embarrassed for myself for even mentioning that because people are going to take off with it now and say that I'm reporting Will Muschamp's a candidate. I'm, I'm just telling some of the uh, – I've got like two or three messages saying – that he could be a candidate, but this late in the game and knowing that Joseph Gillespie is interviewed for the job, I would say that he's the, he's the leader right now, but it's not done. There is an overlap between the people that want to know the percentage of a commitment and how many scholarships were taken, were all, how many kids were taken in this class. If you, if you are concerned about both those issues online, there's a hundred percent chance your wife always asks to see the manager. That's my hunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, here's my hot question for you: Is Paul Gonzalez going to be the next defensive coordinator? I would say, I would say no. I would have heard that by now. I think he should be considered. I do too. I think you should be considered. You know who else I think should be considered to be on staff is Sam Carter. Oh, I do too. And let me tell you something. Ooh. Let me tell you something. I think I think there would be a really good interest. Okay. Have you passed that along? I can I can neither confirm, neither confirm nor, deny. nor deny. Well, would you rather be in Fort Worth or would you rather be in northwest Arkansas where you're bordered by scenic Missouri and Oklahoma? Um, well, we'll see how that goes. But we've only got the Gulf of Mexico and and Big Bend. That's right. I I actually know Northwest Arkansas is lovely, actually. It's a beautiful part of the state, and it's a great place to live. Um, But he needs to come home to Fort Worth. So, All right. Uh, I think the TCU fans would be happy. To get Sam Carter? Oh, gosh, yes. I, I would be so happy. He's got – he had an interception to win the Texas game. He had an interception in the Peach Bowl. The guy was a headhunter. He clearly was – he was the – no, he wasn't the last one back there. Kendrick was the last one back there. He was the last of the Gary Patterson headhunters, you know, rough diamond in the rough, um, overlooked, came in and just ripped your head off. And I'm not surprised that he's a thriving uh, uh, defensive back coach in the SEC. Not surprised one bit. Now, I would be so excited if we got Sam Carter. So excited. All right. Well, that's all I have, unless you've got anything else on coaching and searching, because we'll close out with some playoff talk here if we're done. No, I mean, I think yeah. you've uh, 
think we nailed it all. Yeah, I think yep. so too. All right. How do you feel living in a world where Baylor is the defending national champions in basketball as well as the current reigning champions in football? Well, I'll say this. I know TCU fans probably don't like it, but I'll say this about Dave Aranda. It's hard not to like that dude. Oh, my gosh. And it's like, man, you know, for TCU fans, I know you guys hate it because he's the coach at Baylor, but I think people who judge character and just judge how people are, I mean, how can you not like that guy? I mean, he he carries himself well. The players obviously like him a lot. They play hard for him, and he's very humble, man. I, I, I just – you watch the end of that Big 12 game, the championship game, and just see how humble he was. It's unbelievable, man. It's, it just really is. Yeah, it um, really is. And I know TCU fans, man, they've got to be hoping beyond all hope that someone, a blue blood, comes in there and pries him away um, from Baylor. Because he's – as long as he's there, we, we all thought – great things about Matt rule as far as being a coach, but I think a random might be even better. I think he just, just the way uh, a total package of, of being a coach, just the way he carries himself, the way he cares about his players, um, the way his players play for him. It's, it's tough not to root for that guy. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think the world of Dave Aranda, I respect the heck out of him. He's a good man. He's a good coach. And I think he would be a great fit for the Oregon Ducks. <laughs> I do too. He's a you know, he's a well, West Coast he was, guy. You know, a lot of people thought he was going to USC until Lincoln Riley just came out nowhere and took that job. Yep. Yep. Well, we got a we got a new playoff field set. Uh, number one, B- B- Bama playing number four Cincinnati. Number two, Michigan playing number three Georgia. I, I just gotta say it. I'm 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 excited for Cincinnati. I'm real excited for Cincinnati, and I don't know that they'll beat Bama, but I don't know that anybody's going to beat Bama. Uh, but I I think I think I, I know this. Luke Fickle will be ready to go toe to toe with Nick Saban, even if they lose by 21 points. I think I'm so glad Cincinnati's in the playoff, and I I think we all know that Bama is susceptible. They should have got beat by Arkansas. They should have got beat by LSU. They should have got beat by Auburn. Uh, there's no reason Cincinnati can't go in there. I just wish there was a one week turnaround rather than giving Nick Saban a month to get ready for it. But hey, yeah. I'm really, I'm real excited for Cincinnati. What do you, what do you think of the field? I mean, I think it's, uh, uh, that's exactly how I would have voted. I mean, you, <laughs> I mean, for the top four anyway, not, not one through four order. Um, I'm glad Michigan's in there. Good for Jim Harbaugh because I know yeah. – I mean, people don't like him. I I don't mind him as a coach at all. I think he's good for college football. I think you need characters like that. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy for Cincinnati because, I mean, let's face it, they're – TCU's in the Big 12, but there's always going to be that mentality of remembering where you came from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember TCU covering those guys and then winning, then winning the Mountain West and, and being in the conversation and just – being left out 2009, 2010, and then obviously when the playoffs hit in 2014, you're left out again. So it always seemed like the little little guy was getting the raw end of the deal. So it was really good to see Cincinnati. They went out there. Going going 12-0 is pretty tough. I mean, it's 
tough as heck, but going 13-0 is even tougher. And that's what they did. They beat Notre Dame, and they've got a squad, man. I mean, they've got a lot of players on that roster that could play for any, any major P5 Blue Blood program out there. Um, and I think they're going to give Alabama a run for their money. I want, I want them to get, I want them to beat Alabama. Yeah, I do too. I want them to beat Alabama. Hey, it looks good for the Big Twelve too. When you can say you have Cincinnati coming and and BYU and Houston. I mean, Houston. I mean, the two the two teams playing for the American Conference Championship are going to be headed to the Big Twelve. So that. That says a lot, Houston and Houston and Cincinnati. It so, does, and the two teams that were in the Big Twelve title game this year are here are in the Big Twelve. There's no OU yeah. and there's no Texas. Exactly. So, yeah. I don't. I mean, I worry for Big Twelve for TV package deals and all that. But as far as the teams go and them breaking apart, I think they have a lot of good football. A lot of good football. Yeah, I think it's it's a great conference for football. I think that's one of the things I've really kind of grieved is. You know, Big 12 football is a blast to watch because, you know, I, w- I watched the, what was it, the pit weight game. And, man, I know there were a lot of points, but I realized I hadn't watched one ACC game all year. I'd barely watched any Pac-12, and it was only when I was, honestly, when I was watching BYU. Uh, and I don't watch any SEC. I, I mean, I watch the Big 12, and I love, I, I will watch Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I will watch Iowa State, Kansas State. Because that is a good brand of football, and I enjoy every second of it. And I think the conference, if we can just get enough money, is going to be competitive as heck going forward. It's going to be it's nothing but middle class and upper middle class programs. And I, I know Kansas is Kansas, but Kansas beat Texas, so they're obviously better than the number nine program in the SEC. So I feel really good about the the the, t- the league going forward if we can be competitive with the media rights package. So. All right. Well, that's all I got. Unless you got anything else, JC. Nope. I'm good, man. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Frogcast. If you want to know everything that's going on in real time on recruiting, or you want one of some of the best rational, clear-minded thought about the state of college football, you need to join hornfrogblitz.com. We'd love for you to sign up. Now is a great time to sign up. We got a new coaching staff that's setting the recruiting world on fire. We got the early signing day coming our way. And I have a feeling between the transfer portal and the second signing day, the staff is going to be doing just as much work between early signing day and there in that first full uh, Tuesday, that first Tuesday of February. So until we get back together again, for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.